the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. It's the most wonderful. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Good morning to you. I love Tuesdays. A lot of people don't like Tuesdays. I love Tuesdays because on Tuesdays, my favorite podcast drops once a week. Terry's talking with Terry Pluto and David Campbell. I just put the uh, the link up. Good morning, Terry Pluto. How are you? Hello there, Hugh. I'm so glad that you like Terry with Tuesday. I uh, Terry with Tuesday and yesterday or Tuesday when I listened to it, you and Dave Campbell, who, by the way, is a marvelous host. You guys have great chemistry. David said you were going to ask for suggestions, so I said to my producer, get Terry on, because I want it three times a week, Terry. I love it so much. You're, <laughs> you're, I want you to – it must be a pain in the neck, right? You're already writing like 500 columns a week. You're writing books. We're going to talk about the guy with a sign in a moment. But what about three times a week? Can I ask for that from Santa? Well, you could. Dave Campbell's my boss, so you should go directly to him. So that's why I have to be nice on the podcast, but he's great. And, uh, and like you, I've, I've been around for a while, and it, it is interesting to watch all the different uh, media things and what people are uh, grabbing onto. Uh, and when we ask people from the podcast, you know, just let us know where you're listening. I mean, we've gotten from uh, – Literally almost every continent except Antarctica. Maybe the maybe the penguins are boycotting us, but otherwise, uh, it's fascinating because there are Northeast Ohio folks all over the place, and they want their sports, and it's just kind of cool that uh, they tune in and listen. Terry and I are the same age. I think we both went to Catholic high school. He's been he's been covering Cleveland sports as long as I've been suffering through them, and about once a year, Terry will come on and we'll talk about Cleveland sports. But I want to talk to him today about the guy with the sign. That's his brand new book, which is selling like hotcakes. And it's his book about faith. And Terry, you sound a little bit surprised that your readers love your faith columns and they love the the guy with the sign book. Well, I've learned this. And Hugh, you've also written a whole bunch of books. Frankly, you don't know a lot of times what they're going to be interested in. And we were hoping that this would have touched people, but I think that the title, because it came from a just a, a letter from a reader, goes, I see these guys with signs on corners. You know, I, I want to be a good person of faith. I'm a Christian, et cetera. What do I do? It's a good question. What do you do? I mean, sometimes you see the same guy every at that corner all day, all the time. You know, sometimes you see what, you know, a guy with uh, brought his family and kids, all kinds of things. And so I kind of try to get some different answers. Well, Hugh, what do you do? Well, I have one lady who is outside of my mass where I go every Sunday or Saturday night, and I won't give her name, but she's there every week. And I always give her money because I think Mm -hmm. I know her life story a little bit. I never give money to people with signs because I think they're dope addicts and I don't want them to get a hit. But 
she is older and broken down, and I, I think she needs the money. So my answer would be different from everyone's, but you collected that, and I'm just – people know you because you're a sports guy, and you're maybe the best sport – you've won the, every award there is to win in sports writing. And people love your column, but I'm just – I'm impressed that they give you the benefit of the doubt, and they want to read what you think. Now, Terry, I think you grew up Catholic, but you're evangelical now, and you do a lot of ministry, right? You're in – are you in prison ministry or are you in homeless ministry? Uh, was in prison ministry for 20 years till the pandemic came and then some uh, restrictions hit. But during the, for 25 years, the Haven Arrest in Akron, which is the city mission there. Uh, I'm there a couple of times a, a month with my wife, Roberta, and they have services there. We prepare a, mes- a message and that. Uh, frankly, some of the same guys we see from jail. So, I like that because I'll tell you one thing, uh, when you do that type of ministry, or even to say I have some friends that go in a nursing home, and I visit somebody in a nursing home five days a week, and I usually a couple times a week I'm praying with somebody there, you kind of cut through all the theological spitball fights and everything else. It's down to, you know, I'm facing this surgery, or I'm worried about going to jail, or my mom is sick. Or my goodness, I am waiting on that pet scan. That cuts to right, really where where faith is. Now, the, the name of my column on the Point Dealer. This has been remarkable, Hugh. I've been writing that column since 2000. Started at the Akron Beacon Journal, and then when I came to the Point Dealer in 07, brought it with me. You know, the faith in you column is clearly from a, uh, a Judeo-Christian perspective. I defy you to find a column like that in any other major daily website or whatever in the country. And they stood by me. It's been a long time since there wasn't a heat, but in the beginning there was. And I think people relate to it also, Hugh, just because I am a sports writer. And I sometimes I remember wrote a column, the inner jerk in me, about how I kind of ripped into this person for no reason, asked an innocuous question. But if you're a pastor or a priest or a rabbi, it's hard for you to write that because you're not supposed to have an inner jerk that comes out. Oh, but Terry, let me pay you a compliment. You are critical without being uncharitable, which in other words, I've listened to you for so long when someone needs to be called out for doing something wrong, like Miles Garrett being selfish and rolling his car or with the helmet, you say that. And then when Miles Garrett redeems himself as he has this year and is the greatest teammate in the world, you write that, but you, you never hammer people. And we're so used to ESPN uh, big mouth jumping on people to get a hot take. That's why I think Terry's talking. Is it as successful as I think it is? Is it wildly popular? Yeah, it does really well. Uh, a big thing is, and this is especially where I got serious about my faith, was, um, well, how do I do this? I remember talking to a couple of my pastor friends. Newt Larson was at the chapel in, uh, in Akron, and, and, and Pastor Ron Fowler at the African-American Church in Akron also. And basically, it was some long discussions came down to this, Hugh, criticize the action, not the person. And whatever you do, don't call a name. The minute you call somebody a name, whether it's your personal life, by the way, this, this really works well in your personal life, you know, and you start up with, you always do this or you never do that. That's going bad right there. And also, when you say somebody, oh, you are just so dumb, that's like gum on the bottom of your shoe, that's going to stick to you. That person will always remember that. And whatever you say after that, they won't hear it. And it was the same thing in a column. And as you mentioned, like um, some of the sports talks, everybody's screaming. But I will I will say this, Hugh Hewitt. Now, there are some exceptions, and I think your show's one of them. But 
for the most part, I think there's a lot more logic being discussed on sports talk than there is on a lot of political talk. And here's the reason why. In political talk, right away, everybody's red state, blue state. You could almost guess where they're going. But if I say to you, what kind of coach do you think Kevin Stefanski is for the Browns? Um, liberals, conservatives, whatever. You don't know where they're going to go with that. You don't. By the way, I think he's the best thing to happen to the Cleveland Browns since Blanton Collier, and I saw Blanton Collier. I know Blanton Collier. He wasn't a friend of mine, but I love Blanton Collier, and I love Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, and I hope the criminal investigation results in them getting 20-year contracts because that's how long it's going to take the Haslam's (laughs) to get out of this. Terry, um, I wonder if David Campbell uh, (laughs) – David Campbell is the boss. Uh, I listen to Buckeye talk. I listen to Orange and Brown talk. I'm, I'm, I like the Cavs enough, but I don't listen to Chris's stuff. Because And, and the baseball, it, it's not as good as listening to you and David talk baseball. So I listen to those three. No, but it's all PG and sometimes PG-13. Is that a rule at the Cleveland Plain Dealer at Cleveland.com? Because I love that. I don't need to hear four-letter words and scatological talk from sports people. I love the fact it's PG-13. Is that by David Edict? I think it probably is, but I don't know that for a fact because uh, when David and I talked about the beginning, I just said, look, I'm not going to be any different than I am in real life. We're not going down that road. And that's how actually David treats people anyway. Uh, so why not? I mean, they, my view is always you say anything on the computer uh, that goes out or whatever medium it is, even when the quote unquote, the, uh, the stuff is off air, you better make sure that's something you wouldn't mind anybody hearing at any time because it's liable to come back on you. And then secondly, how do you want to comport yourself? How do you want people to view the outlet that you're with? I got to tell you about Stephen Means this week. Uh, Stephen Means is doing Buckeye Talk with, with his crew. And at the end, he said he bonded with C.J. Stroud because C.J. and he, that's the former Ohio State quarterback, not going to play against the Browns this week. Because he and CJ were told by their parents that their presence came from Jesus, not from Santa Claus. That's the kind of detail that makes a host very relatable. Now, that's not my upbringing, but it tells me that Stephen Means grew up in a Christian household and CJ Stroud grew up in a Christian household. And I find that to be very compelling. And, and you, you got everybody tells a little bit. Mary Kay Cabot couldn't use a bad word if you if you paid her money to. It's not in her. But it is a certain style that I think sets apart Cleveland.com. So now let's talk about sports, Terry. Um, Tell me not to get too excited, because I'm excited. I wish you could dress up and be an offensive lineman. I would feel better about it, because they keep running out of offensive linemen with the Browns. I mean, by the end of that game, they had one starter. And there's been quite a while where I've been with a Browns team that's been winning where I've had to keep looking up who's on the field. Now, the bad ones, you always were, because they were just bringing, they were bringing guys off the street. And the Joe Flacco story, this guy coming off of his couch, his agent calling teams for 10 months before the Browns probably brought him in, including the Browns several times. And I didn't know what he had left. And this guy comes in here, and it looks like he's 28 instead of 38. It's just the most remarkable thing when he had tormented the Browns all those years, 18-3 and record against the Browns. Um, it's just been so much fun because of that. And I also think, uh, you see what you feel, that you know, when they signed Deshaun Watson, it was something that really fractured the, the fan base for a variety I, of I don't talk about him. I don't talk about no, him. But I say stick with, say stick with me on this. What Then what happens, you bring in the guy that used to beat you with Baltimore – 
whom nobody wanted. It's almost like anybody who's ever been laid off or downsized still felt they could work. You know, other people telling you you're too old, you're no good or whatever. You get another chance. It's in Cleveland. And usually when that happens, you find out the rest of the NFL was right. He couldn't play. The, the league was wrong. He still, as he said, I still got something in the tank here. Well, he's two and one. Mary Kay keeps saying he's going to be on someone's team next year as a mentor to a rookie, and I think he's right. Uh, I used the reference to George Blanda. How often do you run into this, Terry, where I reference George Blanda? He was big in our youth. Nobody knows who he is. Do your editors come to you and say, who's this George Blanda guy? Uh, you really have to be careful on that. I mean, Don Strock was the one that we brought up because it was the last time the Browns went through four, four quarterbacks in a successful season, which was 1988. And, uh, a lot of people, Don Storick, I mean, I had no idea who it was. So you kind of have to explain that. But the other side is this. A large percentage of our listeners to the podcast and also that are reading us online or he's still in the print product are older. Almost your huge age. Okay, stay for a second, Terry. I'd love if if you can stick around for one more segment. I'd love you to do that. Got to go to break. It's radio. It's not podcasting. Head over to Terry's Talking Podcast. Go to terrypluto.com for all of his books. And if nothing else, go get The Guy with the Sign for Christmas, the perfect Christmas present. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. Chew Hewitt. Terry Pluto at Terry Pluto on X is senior sports writer. He's won every sports writing award there is to win in America. Joins me from Cleveland. His brand new book is The Guy with the Sign, which I've linked to over at X. Terry, a sports writer's life is a individual sport. Podcasting is a team sport. So when I listen to, say, Buckeye Talk with Stephen Means and Nathan and Andrew Gillis, Andrew's a rookie, and he's getting taught by Stephen, who's a pro, and Nathan, who's a pro. Uh, you are like the Gaylord Perry of podcasting. You've been around forever, and you're very amusing. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot's like Buddy Bell. She's always there. She always hits 300. But they brought in Ashley. She's not a rookie anymore. She's doing great. They've got uh, Dan Labby. He's been around for a while. I don't listen to Chris Fedor or, or Paul Hoynesy or those people. Does David manage the podcast like Tito manages the Guardians? I mean, is he talking to all of them all the time? I don't think all the time, but I know there's a lot of, especially with the uh, Ohio State and with the Browns, because there's multiple people covering them, they have their own kind of uh, – texting chains or they're throwing out ideas and everything else. Uh, with David and I, he fires me some ideas. He goes, you want to add anything? And then he says, you sort of freedom to take it wherever you want to. And, uh, but I am so glad that we went headlong into the podcasting thing and that it has caught on um, the Ohio state coverage that we poured a lot of assets into a long time ago has really paid off. That's one thing about the Internet. Uh, you could measure whether anybody's listening or reading. And, I mean, right now I could go online and I did a long story on Kevin Stefanski, tell you how many people read the last 10 minutes, two hours, 24 hours, how long they were engaged. It's almost frightening. It's, it's too much information. I see why sometimes a quarterback go to the line of scrimmage, you, and they give you all this stuff, and you could freeze. You've got too much in your head. So, Terry, this is where I wanted to finish. Um, Stephen Means, Nathan, and Andrew had a long day yesterday because it was signing day. So they, they were constantly updating with text. You and I are the same age, and I have to adapt all the time. We're, we're videoing this. We never videoed this for 20 years of my 23 years of doing this show, and I've been on air since 1990. you got to change. 
Did you resist at first or did you say, sure, why not? Let's try anything. Uh, no, I did not say let's try anything. Let's try some things. Let's see if it matches uh, my skill set. And then also, uh, why are we doing this as opposed to let's just try it? Because what, as you said, the age, you've only got so many pitches and I only have so much energy. And so the key thing is, well, what do I do well? Let's accent that, you know, which is still primarily writing. And then uh, the the podcast is something. We're working a little bit on doing these quick one-minute YouTube videos after games, Browns games, uh, which we used to do, actually do that several years ago. Then they dropped it. Now it's back. And you know how that goes uh, on any job, not just media. It's like they're hot on one thing, then they're not. Now it's back. Uh I'm just so glad I'm still in the game. And I want to do pretty much whatever it takes to stay there because I enjoy it so much. You and me both. Here's my two cents worth on why Terry's talking works. You guys are really smart, especially you, Terry. I'm not just shining you on. You know stuff about baseball, football, and basketball that I don't know because you've talked to these coaches, GMs, and players forever. And when you and Dave go down some rabbit hole on the pitch count and the picks, pitch mix and what guys are hitting – and why Oscar didn't work out, even though you lobbied for him to come up, that's stuff you can't get into a column. It's a conversation, and it's the real deal. Do you hear that from people, that they're learning? Because that's what I love about podcasts. I learn stuff. Yeah, and a lot of them also sort of like some of the reminiscence, where I mentioned before your your demographics. And uh, we went through a long story of why Marty Schottenheimer got fired last week, but you were talking about Vic Davalio, who I remember. Is Larry Brown still yeah, alive, Larry, by the way? Larry Brown was my favorite uh, Indian. Yes, by her, he's he's dealing with some real health problems, as most uh-huh. players are. So those are – and also, it's a very Northeast Ohio-Cleveland show. We don't do big national topics. I am not strong at Ohio State at all. I, I, I concentrated at three proteins. So hand that off to Stephen Means and his crew because they're good at that. I mean, a big part, I think, of being successful uh, in almost anything is know what you're good at and stay in your lane. Now and then you could get into the passing lane and go after something, but don't drive all over the road. Well, my hat is off to you. Merry Christmas. The book is what I wanted people to know about. It's called The Guy with the Sign. I put the link up. You can go to Amazon. You can go to TerryPluto.com and then find Terry's talking and send David Campbell the demand that they do it three times a week. Because I would love to have three hours of Terry. Not that you really want to do that much, Terry, but I'm all for three times a week. Well, well that would be great. We are actually going to look at different stuff and see what, what people do suggest we do. And uh, uh, I have to admit, it has become more popular than I thought it would, probably just because it's a generational thing. And I just wondered... Who'd want to spend that much time with a podcast with me or anybody else? Well, not only you, but David and my very best to Roberta, whom I've never met, but who I think must be a saint like the fetching Mrs. Hewitt is a saint. Give her my regards. Merry Christmas to the entire Pluto family. Keep up the fight. Thank you, Terry Pluto. Talk to you next year. Thank you, Hugh. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. 
Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Morning, Glory America. Bonjour, High Canada. I'm Hugh Hewitt, live on the West Coast. You know, uh, the Denver decision, the Colorado court decision, is still the worst decision of my legal career, which began in 1980. And I want you to hear Bill Barr before we go to my comments on it on special report last night. Bill Barr, the former attorney general, no fan now, the former president for whom he worked and with whom he has battled. Bill Barr, maybe the smartest lawyer to hold the attorney generalship for as long as I can remember, went on with Jake Tapper last night. Cut number six. The core problem here is the denial of due process Uh, to deprive somebody of the right to hold public office requires due process. It requires an adjudication of two core issues. One, was there an insurrection? Uh, did the public disturbance rise to the level of an insurrection? And, and second, what was the role of the, of the individual in there? Was it engagement? Did they do something to break their oath of office? Those are, those are complicated facts, and this was denied due process. Uh, it was a five-day hearing, uh, there was no jury. It was before the judge. Uh, they they were not able to subpoena witnesses and compel the attendance of of witnesses. They relied on uh, you know the hearings, the January sixth committee hearings, which is mostly hearsay. There's no there was no right to cross examine during those hearings and so forth. So all the as, as the dissent said. And by the way, the the three Democratic ju- uh, justices who dissented, their opinions, I think, are masterful. And as they pointed out, they said, you know, the process here was a procedural Frankenstein. So I, I wanted to start with the attorney general rather than me on special report last night with Brett Baer, Jessica Tarlov and and Jason Riley, because Bill Barr knows his stuff cold. And he's been very, very critical of Trump. And anyone who hears Barr say they railroaded Trump has got to look up and say, oh, maybe they railroaded Trump. So by the end of the day, by 6 p.m. Eastern time, when I show up for Brett Baer's show, it's at 6.45 when the panel comes on. I'm just had it with the Colorado Supreme Court. Everybody knows it's a joke. Brett comes to me first, cut number two. Hugh, I've heard you on this. I know how you feel. But what do you think of the political and legal impact 24 hours after this decision in Colorado, the state Supreme Court is? Well, the legal impact, Brett, I have never been more ashamed of a court in the United States history. I think this will go down in infamy as maybe one of the most ridiculous decisions by a state Supreme Court rendered in the course of American history. It truly is uh, worthy of scorn. I'm I'm at a loss for words, but I've got the dissents here. Justice Samore, who dissented, said this flies in the face of due process doctrine. Justice Burton Cotter says the majority's approach seems to have no discernible limits. And the chief justice, Justice Boatwright, wrote, I would hold that a request to disqualify a candidate under Section 3 is not a proper cause of action under Colorado's election quote. Therefore, I would dismiss. It should be overturned by the Supreme Court. 
it is interfering with the election. And the people who are most angry ought to be Governor DeSantis, Ambassador Haley, and Governor Christie, because the Colorado Supreme Court is stepping on their campaigns and interfering with their election. So Jessica Tarlov, now I don't know, I do not know Jessica. I've never met Jessica. I understand she's on the five. I I looked her up after the show and realized she's not a lawyer. And I she tried to play one on TV last night. Cut number four. No, no cut number three first. I would expect that to continue, though. It is an important caveat that when people are polled about how you feel about supporting President Trump, if he's convicted of one of these things, then it drops and Joe Biden becomes the clear winner in all the swing states and in the general election. Um, It will be very interesting to see how this plays out. I've taken in a lot of the commentary on both sides of the decision. And I think that in particular, we're all going to be watching Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who has actually already ruled on this issue when he was on the Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. So the case was Hassan v. Colorado. I hope that I'm pronouncing Hassan correctly. And he wrote, and it is quoted in the majority opinion in the Colorado case, that the state does have a right to kick someone who is ineligible to run off of the ballot. And it's interesting in the dissents, and Hugh didn't mention this, that the three dissenting justices did not refute the idea that Donald Trump played a part in this insurrection, which under Section 3 of Article 14 should rule him ineligible to be running for office. They talked about lack of due process, but they didn't engage with any of the evidence that was presented at a five-day bench trial. They just said he didn't get his due process. But I guess, Jessica, the the other point is that he hasn't been charged officially with that. No, but that's also not stipulated in Section 3 that you have to be charged. It's... It's not there. I understand that that's the case that they will make, but it will be very difficult for Neil Gorsuch to go back on something that he has essentially already ruled on. And especially if the dissenting justices aren't making it seems that solid of a case. When she said that it'll make it very difficult for Neil Justice to go back, I, I almost burst out laughing because I obviously at that point knew we're dealing with someone who not only doesn't know the law, she doesn't know what she doesn't know about the law. Jason Riley got in, agreed with me, very articulate because he understands what he's doing, columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And then, out of nowhere, we're going to land the plane. Jessica pops back in with more bad legal takes. Let's go to cut number though, Yeah, um, two points on that. One, uh, this case was brought by a group of Republicans. It was not brought by Democrats. This doesn't have to do with leftist politics. And Donald Trump is the only person running for president who challenged our Constitution. The one who said, actually, this election should not stand and asked Mike Pence to, quote, do the right thing. That is not something that a Democrat ever did. Jessica, this is the worst legal take I've ever heard. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd for a non-lawyer to sit here and say that minus a, a, a confrontation with someone who has not been charged, much less convicted, that the court can take them off the ballot. It is a shameful moment in American jurisprudence. It is like watching a bad high school musical. It is a cringe-inducing <laughs> moment for anyone who's ever taught the law, practiced the law, and Colorado will be scorned for decades because of this, and it will be reversed by the court very, very quickly. And quickly, and, and Brett asked me, is it going to be 9-0? I, I, I think it's going to be 9-0. I don't think Justice Brown, Jackson, or, or Justice... Um, Sotomayor are going to want to have their names put on this, but I never know. 
It's just, I get tired of non-lawyers saying things. Well, Neil Gorsuch once wrote when he was on the Tenth Circuit something that might have had something to do with something, and therefore he's frozen by something maybe a decisive staring up. Don't you go up the stairs of decisis? And, and it was just the worst legal take I've ever heard on TV. I don't ever interrupt people. That's the first time I've ever interrupted anyone. I've done Brett shows for years. It's not my style, but my head was exploding. It's a terrible decision. And anybody with a brain and any legal training knows that. I know my friend Judge Ludig is out there. He is the one Republican that they can get on MSNBC to say the court did the right thing. Judge Ludig is not going to be uh, uh, proud of whatever comes out of the Supreme Court because it's going to be 9-0, I think. It's that bad. Donald Trump was not tri- was not accused, was not indicted, was not tried, has not been convicted. And even if Jack Smith's out of, out of left field lawsuit gets traction and he ends up trying it at some point, the one in Manhattan is nonsense. The one in Florida is nonsense, except moving the documents. The one in, in Georgia is nonsense. It's all nonsense. You know who agrees? Ron DeSantis, right? Cut number nine. I expect that to be reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court. I think the precedent that a court could just take somebody off the ballot without even any type of criminal conviction or anything like that, uh, I think that that is not the way uh, the, the law is intended to be enforced. I, it is not the way that the law is intended to be enforced. And I'm done talking about it. There's real news. The four justices of the Colorado Supreme Court who threw Donald Trump off the ballot stepped on democracy. We are a nation of laws. We have a rule of law. There is no precedent for this kind of thing. And I just suggest to you this. You Democrats are out there so happy about this. Ask yourself, if Speaker Mike Johnson put together a rump committee? Like the January 6th committee was a rump committee. He picks nine Republicans and he gets a couple of Democrats, like Hank Graydon, who's worried about Guam turning over. And they, they hold a series of hearings on Biden laying down his constitutional authority by not controlling the border, and they conclude that he's allowing an insurrection at the border to occur. He's participating in it. He's allowing it to go forward. He's standing by. And then you go to a red state, you hand that report in, and the red state takes Joe Biden off the ballot. Is that what you want? Do you want banana republics by the score across the United States deciding this? Shame on Colorado. Everybody in Colorado ought to be embarrassed. I know that they're going to be the MSNBC crowd, the fever swamp, is going to get together. I'm an alumni of that fever swamp. I know what's going on over there. And those folks are all out to lunch if they think this has got a prayer. So put the talking points away. And and what you ought to say if you're on the Democrat on the panel, boy, this this doesn't look good. I kind of read the dissent, so we'll have to wait and see. But I wouldn't be surprised to see. Just don't put tape down like Jessica Carlock put down last night trying to play a lawyer at home. If you're not a lawyer, don't pretend to be a lawyer. I'm Hugh Hewitt. We're headed home so we can start Welcome back, America. Before I go back to the idiocy of the courts, let me update you. In Israel, they have gone into a new neighborhood. They found the luxury tunnels. All right, so there are, there are tunnels where the, the low-level people get to live, and then there are luxury tunnels. And the story is, under the heart of Gaza City, IDF digs up vast hive of lairs where Hamas's elite hid. Because if you're going to live in a tunnel, you might as well have your tunnel have, you know, plumbing and electricity and 
and comfy chairs and recliners and, and ESPN. And they found that. They destroyed that. They're going to get Sinwar pretty soon. Now, here's the bad news. NBC News. I got this from Ellis Items this morning. If you read news items every morning, doesn't matter how much show prep you've done. If you've read news items every morning, you know everything that's gone on and that's important in the world. And this little cherry on top for 2024. Chinese President Xi Jinping bluntly told President Joe Biden during their recent summit in San Francisco that Beijing will reunify Taiwan with mainland China, but the timing has not yet been decided, according to three current and former U.S. officials. Xi told Biden in a group meeting attended by a dozen Americans and Chinese officials that China's preference is to take Taiwan peacefully, not by force, the officials said. The China leader also referenced public predictions by U.S. militaries who say that Xi plans to take Taiwan in 2025 or 2027. Biden said they were wrong because he has not set a time frame. Not because he's not going to do it and that he prefers peaceful. That's not going to happen. And you know what Joe Biden is quoted as doing? Nothing. I'm not sure the president understood it. I really, you and I cannot be sure that Joe Biden understands anything. Joe Biden did understand that the Colorado Supreme Court acted like morons uh, two days ago. And he, he had a comment on the tarmac at Andrews, cut number 13. Well, I think it's self-evident. He saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies or let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported the insurrection. There's no question about it. Well, there is a question about it, Joe. He did not support an insurrection. He gave a speech. He didn't support insurrection any more than you're supporting insurrection by a completely hapless, uh, incompetent, 81-year-old infirm man on the border. Uh, he, he hadn't supported an insurrection any more than you supported an insurrection when you blew out of Afghanistan, got everyone killed at Abbey Gate, and left tens of thousands of Americans and green card holders behind. You're just incompetent. He didn't do a good job on January 6th. But he was not a part of an insurrection. If you knew what that uh, amendment was. Now, Joe allegedly went to law school. Allegedly. But I think he forgot everything. So I'm not blaming him. He gave a speech in Milwaukee yesterday. You won't, you won't believe it. Cut number 14. Joe Biden. Hey, uh, I went to the Supreme Court my, to eliminate student debt. It was out there. And guess what? Supreme Court ruled against, but I still got 136 million people's debt relieved. Well, there are 44 million people with student debts. And the fact that he's happy that he avoided what the Supreme Court told him to do, isn't that insurrection? Isn't that when when the, when you say, I went to the Supreme Court and I wanted to give student debt relief to 136 million Americans and... Uh, they said no, but I got a lot done anyway. Isn't that insurrection? It's not in the technical term. And Joe's not been indicted, charged, convicted on anything related to insurrection. There's actually an insurrection statute. But don't expect he must go to bed watching MSNBC with his ice cream. That's all I can think. Uh, I got more of this for you. Feliz Navidad. Welcome back, America. Still dealing with my inbox was full this morning of people who are watching Special Report. Now, about two million people watch Brett every night because it's the last news show in America. And as I've said many times, I will do an occasional show somewhere else. But the one I will always do is Brett Bear because it's a serious show. 
and I conduct myself the way I expect professionals to conduct themselves. And that's kind of gone out the window at a lot of cable news where they're looking for viral moments. And so we got a viral moment last night, and I'm not looking for one. I go in, I've got these boring dissents in front of me. I've read them all. I've listened to all the arguments. And I realize the Colorado Supreme Court is full of dummies. And what am I going to say? I'm not going to attack the people. I'm just going to point out, well, I get asked by Brett at the start, cut number two, I get asked by Brett about the Colorado decision throwing Donald Trump off the court. Cut number two. Hugh, I've heard you on this. I know how you feel. But what do you think of the political and legal impact 24 hours after this decision in Colorado, the state Supreme Court is? Well, the legal impact, Brett, I have never been more ashamed of a court in the United States history. I think this will go down in infamy as maybe one of the most ridiculous decisions by a state Supreme Court rendered in the course of American history. It truly is uh, worthy of scorn. I'm I'm at a loss for words, but I've got the dissents here. Justice Samore, who dissented, said this flies in the face of due process doctrine. Justice Burton Cotter says the majority's approach seems to have no discernible limits. And the chief justice, Justice Boatwright, wrote, I would hold that a request to disqualify a candidate under Section 3 is not a proper cause of action under Colorado's election quote. Therefore, I would dismiss. It should be overturned by the Supreme Court. It is interfering with the election. And the people who are most angry ought to be Governor DeSantis, Ambassador Haley, and Governor Christie, because the Colorado Supreme Court is stepping on their campaigns and interfering with their election. So the question comes to me next, uh, goes to Jason Riley, uh, to Jessica Tarlov, who I believe appears on The Five. Now, I see The Five a little bit when I'm in studio in a green room occasionally, but I don't watch it much, even though Dana's on it and Greg's very funny. It's, it's not a news show. It's a chat show. So I don't watch it much. I've got stuff to read. So Jessica Tarlov, with whom I have no experience, never met her, have no idea, no animus, no praise, nothing, just a blank slate. She begins to talk. Cut number three. I would expect that to continue, though. It is an important caveat that when people are polled about how you feel about supporting President Trump, if he's convicted of one of these things, then it drops and Joe Biden becomes the clear winner in all the swing states and in the general election. Um, It will be very interesting to see how this plays out. I've taken in a lot of the commentary on both sides of the decision. And I think that in particular, we're all going to be watching Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who has actually already ruled on this issue when he was on the Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. So the case was Hassan v. Colorado. I hope that I'm pronouncing Hassan correctly. And he wrote, and it is quoted in the majority opinion in the Colorado case, that the state does have a right to kick someone who is ineligible to run off of the ballot. And it's interesting in the dissents, and Hugh didn't mention this, that the three dissenting justices did not refute the idea that Donald Trump played a part in this insurrection, which under Section 3 of Article 14 should rule him ineligible to be running for office. They talked about lack of due process, but they didn't engage with any of the evidence that was presented at a five-day bench trial. Stop. Even now it hurts my head. Even now, lawyers, they didn't engage with any of the evidence because they don't think they have jurisdiction. All right. The first thing is jurisdiction, jurisdiction, jurisdiction. And Jessica, 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 you can read all the commentary you want. And I'm sure what you ought to have said was, you know, Judge Mike Ludig is in favor of this. And he was appointed by President uh, Bush to the Fourth Circuit and was a runner up to Chief Justice Roberts for the job. So he said that's what you ought to say. You should not try and lawyer. 
The idea that Neil Gorsuch in a Tenth Circuit said something related to something has absolutely zero presidential value. I think that's what set me off. Oh, Justice Gorsuch wrote something about something in a different case that might bear on this. I've read all the commentary. Why don't you say, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm going to go with Mike Ludig. That's the best way to go. Jason Riley spoke next. And then, because no one should ever interrupt anyone on panel, Jessica interrupted Jason, so I felt empowered. Here's Jessica interrupting Jason and me interrupting Jessica. Cut number four. Jason, really quickly, though. Yeah, um, two points on that. One, uh, this case was brought by a group of Republicans. It was not brought by Democrats. This doesn't have to do with leftist politics. And Donald Trump is the only person running for president who challenged our Constitution, the one who said, actually, this election should not stand and asked Mike Pence to, quote, do the right thing. That is not something that a Democrat ever did. Jessica, this is the worst legal take I've ever heard. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd for a non-lawyer to sit here and say that minus a a a confrontation with someone who has not been charged, much less convicted, that the court can take them off the ballot. It is a shameful moment in American jurisprudence. It is like watching a bad high school musical. It is a (laughs) cringe-inducing moment for anyone who's ever taught the law, practiced the law, and Colorado will be scorned for decades because of this, and it will be reversed by the court very, very quickly. And Uh, And Brett comes back to me, cut number five. Hugh, do you think it's 9-0? Do you think that the liberal justices on the Supreme Court can get around um, what you're talking about? I think it's 9-0 because if Justice Brown Jackson or Justice Sotomayor throws in with the pirates in Colorado, their reputations will be as damaged as the Colorado justices' reputations are. It is an absurd Uh, decision. Strong letter to follow from Hugh Hewitt. (laughs) (laughs) Brett, you know, I've done this a lot. Brett and I talk a lot. He's a good man. By, by the way, if you've got a, a nine-year-old through a 14-year-old, get them Brett's book about Alexander Hamilton and, and Aaron Burr. It's really fabulous for kids. But we talk a lot, and he knows I'm just kind of down the middle, calm. But I, I, my head was exploding. It really was exploding. It was such a bad take by said Jessica Tarloff. That was a let's not stop to there. Carhammer, too. Let's go, let's go to Jonathan Turley, cut number 11. Oh, I think it is out of bounds. The court said that they were in uncharted territory, but they then sailed off the constitutional map. I mean, I, I, you see that in the dissent. This is a court composed entirely of democratically appointed justices, but it's split four to three, and the dissent is scathing. And they basically ask, what are you doing, that this is uh, something that is really beyond the pale? I think that reaction is going to be shared by many on the Supreme Court. But that moment now has come. And I think it's a a critical challenge for John Roberts, who once said that in moments like this, the test of a chief justice is to try to eke out a unanimous decision. That would go a long way for this country if these justices can show that as divided as we are sometimes, that we're still joined by a sort of common covenant of faith as a democratic free nation. And what Colorado did was wrong. It was wrong legally, but it was wrong in terms of our values. Jonathan Turley is right, and it is a moment for the court to rule 9-0, and rather expeditiously, stop this nonsense. Absent the confrontation with a witness, the J6 committee is nice propaganda. 
And there's absolutely no standing in court. It hadn't been tested. That was not, in fact, a cross-examined set of witnesses. It's not a legal proceeding. Justice, no one has charged Donald Trump with insurrection. He hadn't been convicted. He'll never be convicted because his speech was covered by the Brandenburg case. And it's just open and shut that this is stupid. So everyone out there who's saying otherwise, Judge Ludig, I get it. You've been my friend for 40 years. You're wrong. You know you're wrong. I think you know you're wrong. But you're out there and you took the position and you were stirring the pot and that's great. But if everyone out there on the left wants to just just cite Judge Ludig, he's your only cover. It's a very thin tree in a big, big storm of blowback. Meanwhile, Frank Luntz sat down on CNN with Pamela Brown and said this, cut number seven. It's going to be exactly what the indictments did. It's going to be exactly what the criticisms have done. Donald Trump thrives on negativity. He thrives on legal systems that try to hold him accountable. And I'm convinced that his polling numbers are going to go up. Just today, the New York Times published six key swing states and had Donald Trump up beyond the margin of error in five out of the six. The polling earlier uh, a month ago was significant. Trump is gaining. The more that he is prosecuted, the more that he is condemned, the higher his numbers go as people rally around him. And I would say to the judges, as I said to the Justice Department, you're actually making it more likely that Donald Trump is elected next November by how you are pursuing this. You don't explain the decisions. You don't put things in context. And so Trump climbs and climbs and climbs. And right now he's beating Joe Biden clearly nationwide. Well, let me may I jump in here. What is the sort of center of opinion in the United States? January 6th was awful. The people who went into the Capitol needed to be and have been prosecuted. There were varying level of offenses, some with evil and malice in their hearts, and some just wandered in thinking the doors were open, but they all got prosecuted. Donald Trump gave a speech, improvident at some points, other points great. You would never convict him under Brandenburg because it's not even remotely close to inciting a riot. And, and the whole idea that what he did in 2020 is somehow different from what Al Gore did in 2000 and what John Kerry did in 2004 and Hillary Clinton did in 2016, which has encouraged people to vote their conscience on the floor of the House because they think there's funny money going on. That was improvident, but it's also not unconstitutional. Everybody doesn't forget the Russia, Russia, Russia. They don't forget Comey, Brennan, and Clapper ambushing the man. They don't forget the seizing of the documents at Mar-a-Lago. They don't forget that the special counsel into Joe Biden has gone missing, Robert Turr. They don't forget that Hunter Biden is a crook who got a sweetheart deal that blew up. None of this is missing. We all know that the permanent government hates Donald Trump and is trying to take him out and that this is impacting the Republican effort to nominate who they want. And it's going to be Donald Trump, and he's going to beat Joe Biden because Joe Biden is an infirm old man who doesn't know what day it is and can't be trusted to talk and give a speech. Uh, That's enough for now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.